I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special and joyful episode of the Feeney Podcast. Today, we are talking about a very special Ben Savage project. And with me to break down this very special episode is Jacqueline. Merry Christmas, friend. Happy Hanukkah, friend. Thank you. We are approaching the holidays. We've come to a good stopping point in the Boy Meets World season two. We're about halfway through that. And they take a little bit of a break for filming for the holidays. So we figured we would take a little break as well. But in planning this out, we found this awesome uh, kind of crossover movie on Hallmark featuring Corey, a.k.a. Ben Savage. Yeah, perfect timing for our holiday spirit for the Hallmark Christmas movie season, which is 40 original movies over the span of like two months. And um, we could not resist the opportunity to watch Ben Savage, Ben Savage in his premier Hallmark holiday movie role. Um, and since this is what we do, we had to share our observations with the Feeney podcast fan base, because if you love Ben Savage, and you love the Feeney podcast, then you will love this movie. Yeah, the the main characters from Boy Meets World really do not appear in too many things anymore. Uh, I haven't seen Sean in anything in a long time. Eric, really nothing. Will Daniels is probably, uh, you know, in something here and there, but he's just not anymore, really. So even Ben Savage, like the Girl Meets World reboot really just revived all of their acting careers because that's the only like steady job it seemed like they had in acting in a long time. So this was really a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I know that um, Ben Savage took a break from acting after Boy Meets World to go to college, which I think probably like most of them did, took a break. Um, and he's done some scattered stuff here and there, but you're totally right. When Girl Meets World came out, it sort of renewed all this interest in Boy Meets World and in those actors. And I think they've all like had some some growth in their career because of that. Uh, and this is a big deal for Ben Savage. I mean, I know that like people are judgmental about the Hallmark movies, but there are actors and actresses out there that like this is their bread and butter and the fans love them and they are very loyal fans and they get like steady work and like a really loving fan base from doing these Hallmark productions. Yeah, who knows? This could be the start of something big for Ben Savage. Uh this she, he wouldn't be the first 90s sitcom star to make a second career out of Hallmark movies as Candace Cameron Bure is in one out of every I would say seven or eight of these things. Yeah, and Danica McKellar as well. Oh, right. Yeah, start on The Wonder Years with Ben Savage's brother, Fred Savage. She is a Hallmark Channel staple as well. And it's not just holiday movies either. They have they do movies for every season. They have a ton of TV shows. 
I mean, there's like a lot. They they produce so much original content. It's crazy. Um, and, you know, maybe this is just a one-off thing for him, but good for him because it's putting a lot of attention on him right now. And um, it might parlay into some other roles. Yeah, absolutely. The movie we're talking about here is Love, Lights, Hanukkah, commas in between all of the words, exclamation point at the end. Love, good punctuation in the name of a movie. And... <laughs> The movie came out just a couple of weeks ago. It made its premiere. It initially was going to premiere later in December, but uh, it seems like they got the editing done maybe faster and they they realized the timing to get it out around the actual holiday of Hanukkah maybe made a little bit more sense. Yeah, I believe it was originally set to premiere on December 20th. Uh, and then they bumped that up to December 12th so that it would premiere during Hanukkah. Um, and... I actually put this movie in my calendar as to remind me to watch it as Lights Camera Hanukkah. And I <laughs> referred to it as Lights Camera Hanukkah for weeks before I realized that it was Love Lights Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the background of how this movie was made. Um, ben Savage gave an interview for the Hallmark Channel. We can talk about a little bit. We'll get into the cast and then we'll break down the episode. So this one will be a supersized episode. Obviously, we're talking about a, a movie that was maybe 90 minutes long without commercials instead of a 22-minute episode. So buckle in, but let's start with some background. Love Lights Hanukkah was actually filmed in Vancouver, though the movie takes place in Cleveland and just to assuage your fears because I had them as I was watching are there even Jews in Cleveland there are it is the 23rd largest Jewish community in the country so not a huge population but not a small one either I asked the same question I was like Cleveland is such a specific choice because in many of these movies they're in like any town USA and they don't really put like a city name on it, but they specifically chose in this movie to have it set in Cleveland. Um, and I was like, is there a big Jewish community there? It seems they could have done this in Brooklyn. They could have done it in Baltimore, you know, like areas that are known for a Jewish community, but yeah, there, it seems that there is at least a, um, a somewhat robust Jewish population. Yeah. It would not be unheard of that there is uh this relationship and this family going on in, in Cleveland. So like a lot of things, it's shot in Vancouver. I think it's a little bit cheaper. It's just a place where a lot of things shoot. It's very pretty and it can double as a lot of these kind of Northern American cities. So, and they have snow, and, yeah, and which exactly. is important for Hallmark oh, uh, and crucial for a holiday movie. Yeah. I also would like to mention up top, if you haven't caught the movie yet, it airs at 2 p.m. on Christmas Day and 8 p.m. on New Year's Eve, the 31st. So there is still time to watch it, set your DVR. Um, maybe you want to press pause, watch the movie, come back and listen along. But I think this will be fun even if you haven't seen it yet and you can watch later. You potentially can watch. I didn't try it, but you can potentially just watch from the Hallmark website if you maybe log in with the TV provider. I think they make them all available. So um, that might be an option for you if you just want to pop it on your TV or your computer as well. Cool. Yeah. Sorry about the digression, but yes. no, that's Fil perfect. Filmed in Vancouver and um, Ben Savage said it, the whole thing was filmed in 15 days. Yeah. It says filmed from October 7th to October 28th, which is three weeks. Maybe he was only on set for two of those weeks, but that is an incredibly fast turnaround to make a feature length movie. 
Yeah. Um, I also was reading about the COVID protocols that they had to follow um, filming this movie. You know, this they they film these movies like only a few months, obviously if it was filmed in October, only a few months before they premiere because they churn out, like I said, 40 original movies every holiday season. Um, so it's not like they can film them all in like January and February. So they had to do this like, they had to do two weeks of quarantine prior. Everyone involved in the movie had to do two weeks of quarantine and then all these protocols on set. So maybe because of the two week quarantine period, they had to like condense the filming down because people were like, I mean, you can't work during the quarantine period. So like you're essentially asking people to give up four weeks or five weeks, even if filming is only going to take two or three. Yeah, for sure. That it must have been uh, difficult for for everyone trying to make all of those things now to do all of that. But luckily, the testing got to a place where people can start to get back to work. So yeah, very impressive turnaround. Even finishing at the end of October, that only left left them about six weeks to edit, reshoot anything they needed to. They probably didn't do any reshoots. They probably just like went with what they had. Uh, hence why we have some weird makeup and eyebrow uh, scenes that we'll mention <laughs> a little bit later. But yeah, very quick turnaround. <clears throat> and as you mentioned, part of Hallmark's holiday lineup, which um, I'm not super familiar with historically, but it seems that they very, very heavily focus on the Christmas holiday and not other religious holidays. According to my research, only one of the movies uh, has anything to do with Hanukkah. So I, I did not... There might have been a Thanksgiving one in there or something, but in terms of religious holidays, yeah, they're heavily, heavily focused on Christmas. And what I like about this is that it apparently was written by I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna make a guess based on the last name. Berger. Karen Berger wrote this one. She's written a ton of holiday movies, eleven of them in the last five years. Yes. Um, but Berger is a traditionally Jewish last name. So potentially uh, she was Jewish and uh, and Ben Savage and then one of the other main actresses is Jewish too. So they did a nice job of trying to keep it somewhat authentic. Yeah, I think they flubbed a little bit on the Italian side of things, but mm. I will get to that later and it will be heated. But for now, yes, I will say they did a good job of finding Jewish actors and um I, I I could not confirm if Karen Berger was Jewish. I did try to look into that, but if she wrote a movie about Hanukkah, you would think that. Um, but then again, she's written a lot of Christmas movies, so who who the hell knows, really? Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, maybe a little bit of both, but yeah, she's written a ton of these movies for for Hallmark the last few years. This one was directed by Mark Jean. Mark Jean. Mark I would Jean? go with Jean or Jean, but okay. Yeah. Maybe just more of an American accent than uh Good old there. Mark Jean. Long list of TV shows, lots of made-for-TV movies. This clearly, they found the right man for the job to get a movie shot in three weeks here for, uh, for Hallmark. Yeah, he has like 58 directing credits. Most of them are TV movies, lots of Hallmark movies. Also directed a few very unsuccessful TV shows in the 90s, such as Police Academy, the series, mm. Weird Science, the series, and The New Adams Family. 
Uh, she just stuck with the original Adams family. Yeah. But he also directed, um, you know, of all of his Hallmark movies, I will give a shout out to The Nine Lives of Christmas, which is a, one of the Hallmark movies that I thoroughly enjoy. It's about a cat. Yep. That's okay. the short. Yeah. There is the cat. There's two cats. <laughs> it's not about a cat, but it's about a cat that it brings people together. Oh, how how sweet. Have you ever watched the Garfield Christmas special? No. It's good. <laughs> oh, my God. Recommend. Um, it's on YouTube. Speaking of other things to listen to and watch, if you are really, really feeling the holiday Ben Savage spirit, on the Hallmark Channel website, there is an interview that Ben Savage gives with uh, two of their pod resident podcasters in, I, I don't know, I don't know who they are, but there's a podcast related to the Hallmark Channel. It is not great, I'm going to just say. Uh, it was a little bit hard to listen to, um, but you do get some insights into the filming process here. They do ask Ben Savage about his uh, Boy Meets World days and working with famous uh, comedians and, and things like that at the time. So there's some good insights if you're looking for more content. I would say it's less than 30 minutes long. If you're bored and you want a laugh, because you will laugh, um, <laughs> fire it up. As you mentioned, he kind of talks about like leaving Boy Meets World, going to Stanford, get, getting like a real guy, average guy kind of experience and leaving the business for a while. And then he found his way back. So um, check that out. It's on the Hallmark website if you have 25 minutes of time to kill. You know what I realized we didn't do yet is the synopsis. Yeah, I want you to definitely do that. And then we can dive into the cast and, and dive into this movie. Okay. So as usual, I have a dual synopsis. Mm -hmm. I have the from the Hallmark website. As Christina prepares her restaurant for Christmas, a DNA test reveals that she's Jewish. The discovery leads her to a new family and a new unlikely romance over eight crazy nights. Hmm. My synopsis is very similar, but I'll still give it. Restaurant owner Christina is gearing up for her first Christmas without her mother. When a DNA test reveals that she's half Jewish, she connects with her newfound family who embrace her with open arms. Meanwhile, her restaurant conveniently gets shut down, leaving her tons of time to frolic around town with her new love interest, eating kugel, mispronouncing Italian foods, and decorating five different Christmas trees. Something tells me this is not going to be the last time we hear about <laughs> mispronunciation of Italian words. It really got the movie off to a bad start for me, but um, I guess they redeemed themselves. Um, excellent, excellent recap there. Am I the only one who every time somebody says like the DNA test reveals that you just want to finish with a Lizzo lyric? No, you are not the only one. Okay. Yeah. Every time. And they say there's a line in the movie and it was like, the DNA, DNA test, test reveals <laughs> and I just want to please say it. That's not on brand for Hallmark, and they would get sued by Lizzo for sure. Awesome. So, yes, we've got um, some convenient plot devices here to move this love story along, but all of this will unfold here. Um, let's dive into the cast really quickly, and then we can talk about this movie. So, totally. four kind of main characters, and then one that we'll mention for the love of the OC as well. 
Um, let's start with Christina. She's the main character. She is played by Mia Kirshner. Uh, she is Jewish, which is a good characteristic of a leading lady who is playing someone who is Jewish. And she has been in a variety of things, most well-known for roles in 24, the uh, action drama, and The L Word, um, which I believe was on HBO. So I think those are her two biggest credits. Um, she's also written some books and she's done a lot of other things, but that's where you may recognize her from. Yeah, she has quite a varied career, a ton of different TV shows, mostly TV shows, some TV movies. Um, this is her first starring role in a Hallmark holiday movie, from what I can tell. She was also had big roles in Star Trek Discovery and The Vampire Diaries. I did not recognize her. Um, I would have to go back and and like look. I mean, I didn't watch any of these shows that she was in, but. I'm sure you could pick her out. But yeah, a lot of variety in her acting career. She's also Canadian. So I don't know if they intentionally were cast, was uh, were looking to cast Canadian actors and actresses because they film in Canada. Mm. But um, she is Canadian. Excellent. So she will play Christina. We're going to refer to the character names by their character names. So she plays Christina, the, the lead here of this movie, alongside our friend of the pod, Ben Savage here. He, as we mentioned, has not done a ton of acting outside of the Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World universe. Yeah, he's been in some episodes of TV shows. Obviously, he had three years running on Girl Meets World in 2014. But mostly it's just been uh, one-off appearances in TV shows and some shorts and things like that. Um, really nothing that stands out. You know, an episode of Bones, an episode of Chuck, an episode of Homeland. Um, so this is really like a, a first starring role for him in a really long time. Yes. And he is also Jewish. And that makes, uh, again, the more authentic lead here. Awesome. So now we go to probably the most famous actress, actor in the movie, Marilu Henner, who plays Ruth. So Ruth, we will find out very early in the movie, is Christina's biological mother. And she's one of the leading actors in this movie. She has had quite a very impressive career. And she's also somewhat of a savant. Yeah, she is. She's definitely the heavyweight in this cast. She, um, you know, she's famous from the 70s from starring in Taxi alongside Andy Kaufman and um, Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito and Judd Hirsch. So she's worked with some greats and since then has just done a ton of TV acting like she has been in everything and she's always like a um a guest star, you know, like they, like she gets an important role on TV shows where, um, you know, she's not just like plugging into some role. She is a, a get for shows. Um, but in the past 10 years or so, she's done quite a few Hallmark productions. I'd call her a Hallmark regular at this point. Um, and as Josh mentioned, she has a photographic memory and has this like weird thing where you can name any day and she knows what day of the week it was, which is a very specific superpower. 
Yeah, it says um, that she's one of only 12 people documented with highly superior autobiographical memory and was the subject of a three-part special in 60 Minutes. So I didn't quite dive deep enough to go back and watch that episode of 60 Minutes, but it was very intriguing. Um, for those of you who are more into recent sitcoms, she did play Charles's love yeah. interest on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, she's also played Ashton Kutcher's love interest on the later seasons of Two and a Half Men. And um, I don't know, there was only one season of the show. It was called The Crazy Ones. And it was Sarah Michelle Gellar and Robin Williams starring as a mother, as a father-daughter duo at like an ad agency. And she played the uh, oh, Robin Williams ex-wife in that. We watched that. We watched a couple episodes of that when it first yeah, came Yeah, it out. was not terrible. Yeah, I, I only like barely remember it. Mary Lou Henner also, um, she's not Jewish, but she was married to a Jewish man for many years and has two, ha two half Jewish sons. Um, so she does have a connection to Hanukkah. She still celebrates Hanukkah with her sons every year. And they, of course, also celebrate Christmas. But she has another connection to this movie that I don't know if you found this in your research, Josh, but she discovered a few years ago, she did a 23andMe DNA test. Her whole family did them. Um, and she found out that she has a half sister that she never knew about. Oh. Yeah. So they met her and she's now like part of their family. And I suppose her parents have passed away. So they have no idea what the story is with like where this half sister came from or why or anything. But she was just like, we don't really care. She's part of our family now so like that's all there is to it so really really specific tie into this movie like she has her own experience with discovering estranged family via dna test um so that's a crazy angle too i honestly wouldn't even be surprised if the movie was kind of based on the fact that like she's worked in probably with this writer or director or at least certainly the channel before and a lot of other things and that like that story maybe even sparked the idea for the movie. That's so interesting. You might be right about that. Maybe she's just like shared the story and the writer, um, you know, I don't know if she would need to even ask permission to use that, but it could have definitely been an inspiration point because that is, that is such a crazy coincidence. Yeah. Um, last thing, because I just saw this really quickly. So Marilou Henner, very impressive with all of the things that she's done. She's written a ton of books. She also made it to the quarterfinals in 2016 on Dancing with the Stars, which for someone who's a little bit older and potentially like doesn't have a ton of actual like music or dance or whatever, like the people that win those are always either like athletes who are very good on their feet or like singers who basically dance anyway during their, and she made it to the quarterfinals. So that's, that's really impressive. Yeah, I've never watched that show, but um, I do think it's always whack when it's like some pop star. And I'm like, you have been dancing for years. I know it's not like ballroom dancing, but still, there are a lot of transferable skills there. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's get to Janet. Janet is Christina's best friend and apparently kind of works at the restaurant, though her role at the restaurant is never actually revealed um she is played by brandy alexander that's brandy with an i not brandy with a y not to be confused with the alcoholic beverage yeah if you want to whip yourself up a brandy alexander all you need is some cognac some creme de cacao and a little bit of cream uh get yourself a nice little treat there but that is brandy with an 
a Y, not an I. Which if you've got those ingredients, I recommend having one or two or five of those as you watch this movie because it's just <laughs> going to help the movie go down a little bit smoother. And uh, and what are the odds that you can have a Brandy Alexander while watching Brandy Alexander? Totally. I mean, you never get that opportunity. Never. Unless you're watching one of the 50 acting <laughs> credits that Brandy Alexander has been in. Including uh, what? What has she been in? She's been in a lot of TV movies. I'm assuming many of these are Hallmark originals. Um, a Timeless Christmas. I think that's a safe bet. Our Christmas Love Song, et cetera, et cetera. She's been in a few TV series. Nothing that I've heard of, though. Um, Smallville. Oh, you're going to have to scroll way back to get to that. I'm still on Supernatural, Psych. So again, one of these, she's been in one episode of a lot of stuff. Um, not a lot of recurring roles in things, but until we get to like a little bit later in her career. And now it seems that she's really got herself a good thing going with Hallmark Channel. Yeah, she was in Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not sure if she appeared in all of those movies or just the first one. And I don't know what her role is because I've never seen any of those movies but uh that would be a big acting credit those that those movies were huge yeah um i have a feeling those were small roles but as we know brandy alexander uh she is a woman of color i do not know her ethnic descent but as we know hallmark does have a bit of a problem with diversity so hopefully she can parlay this into some leading roles now that hallmark has had some pressure put on it to have some more people of color in starring roles in their movies yeah she i mean honestly she gives some of the best acting performances in this movie that there is so she does a nice job she's half filipino and half african aboriginal um, so her mother is Filipino, father was African Aboriginal, and uh, she's very pretty. She was a model at a young age. She's been in a bunch of things. So I think you're right. I think she's got star potential for Hallmark for sure. I mean, she straight up looks like a model. She is tall and she's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, I, there definitely has been a call recently to have Hallmark have more diversity. This year they did have an LGBTQ plot in one of their movies, um, in at least one of their movies, if not multiple. And they've had, I saw some like interracial couples. I don't know. Um, you know, I haven't looked at the data to see if they've actually gotten better this year over last, but it's just been like an ongoing theme of people like, okay, you can't have a white man. You can't have 40 movies every holiday season of a white man and a white woman and expect people to like, be totally psyched about that year after year. Like you need to start representing um, different groups. And I think that this movie is probably part of that, right? Like representing a different religion around the holidays rather than having everything be Christmas. One out of 40, not great, but this is their first one. So at least they're trying, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking about this because like a lot of the references and like the over explaining of traditions in this movie that happens like is a little on the nose and like a little for me just seemed like okay why are we like going through this but i would imagine that there is a large part of the country that watches a lot of these movies that like maybe have never met a jewish person or maybe never even met somebody who's like super italian and it's it's a lot of new information coming at them. So maybe some of that explaining is done kind of purposefully. And I gave them a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt once I started putting that together. Right. And I know like Hallmark's 
job is not to tackle complicated subjects. Like they are here for feel good fluff and we, you can't really ask them to start, um, you know, like getting too deep. That's just not what they're about. So literally they're explaining Hanukkah and it's like, and then we light the candle and it represents this. And right. um, so, you know, it's there and they're like versions of holidays are very one-sided. So like people that gravitate towards these movies um, are seeing like the same stencil, the same cookie cutter image of family and tradition over and over again. So I think anything to break that up and just show people something a little different is welcome at this point. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, Awesome. So the last cast member I want to mention quickly is Bradley Stryker, who's got an (laughs) awesome acting name. Uh, He plays Eddie, who only shows up in a few scenes. He's the handyman who helps fix the restaurant up in this movie. Um, Maybe like a budding love interest between him and uh, Janet here, but he is, he's been in a lot of things as well. Again, lots of just like one episodes of TV shows. Um, He was in, let's see what he's most known for um, some of his more recent acting work. Actually, he's been in a lot, but um, Jacqueline, I just revealed to you that he was the original Trey Atwood in the first couple of episodes of the OC. Yes. I was staring at this guy and I was like, I know he looks familiar. I know he looks familiar. He was Trey in season one of the OC. He was in two episodes um, of, you know, Ryan's older brother from Chino who is in jail at the beginning of the show. And they do in season two replace poor Trey with a hunkier, more lovable well no lovable is the wrong word just a more attractive younger version um so sorry bradley striker that you didn't make it into season two of the oc yeah couldn't quite cut it they replace him with logan marshall green who is uh just just better looking sorry Um, (laughs) yeah i mean no two ways about it he's just cuter um this guy bradley striker is also on chesapeake shores which is a um hallmark channel original tv show that takes place in the fictional town of chesapeake shores maryland oh to be honest i've never watched it but i've always like kind of wanted to check it out (laughs) chesapeake shores isn't a holiday themed it's it's actually a tv show with like several seasons um and it stars jesse metcalf who's from like John Tucker must die and he's been in a bunch of stuff, but Mm -hmm. I've always just wanted to check it out. I'm sure it's sappy and cheesy and not very good, but it's always just kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Excellent. All right. So that is the cast. That is the background. Again, we've got the movie breakdown coming up here. Uh, We'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with that. And we're back. This is the Feeney Podcast, the special holiday episode in season two. We're going to break down the movie Love, Lights, Hanukkah, starring Ben Savage. And to do that with me is my host, Jacqueline. Let's do it, Jacqueline. Let's dive into this movie. Let's do it. Let's dive in. 
we have a lot to unpack here. The movie starts in a little shop that looks like a Christmas explosion. And we meet our heroine, Christina. She's walking around the shop. She's looking at everything all wide-eyed. And she cheekily whispers to the shop attendant that she's going to buy two, no three, no four, wreaths. <laughs> then as the woman piles all the wreaths in her arm, she just hands her an unspecified amount of cash and exits the store <laughs> without any words being exchanged about how much anything costs. Um, I was going to let that go the first time it happened. It happens twice. But it happens again. And she just like perfectly has a wadded up amount of cash ready for exactly what she's. I get that like they want to keep the plot moving. They don't want to like be bogged down in an exchange of money for these things. They couldn't have just like had her have like an account there. So this didn't even have to happen. Like there were better ways than just like a drug deal cash grab happening. It was super, (laughs) super weird. Um but you know basically we we go back to her restaurant mm-hmm. and this in this scene we meet Janet and they use the scene to give us some backstory we find out that this is Christina's first christmas without her mother her mother passed away earlier this year and we also learn that she's adopted so we're getting a lot of very important plot information and there really was no nuanced way for them to give us this info so it's really just like a back and forth conversation between her and janet and she's sharing all of this um We also learned that she runs a restaurant and she's a chef at that restaurant. Um, And we're kind of seeing some behind the scenes stuff in her kitchen. So we're getting all the backstory right up top here. Yeah, they are setting everything up. The restaurant's packed, clearly a busy night at the restaurant. She's been working hard and uh, some of her regular customers are there and she gives them a, a special dessert. Struffoli? Josh, Josh. Like my head is about to explode. In the first five minutes of the movie, they have done an egregious error. This woman is supposed to be running an Italian restaurant and it is pronounced struffoli. Or if you are actually from Italy, struffoli. It is not struffoli. I will literally fight anyone that tries to come at me and tell me it's strafoli. I even, just to make sure, because I know Italian-American dialects can be very different than what is actually how things are pronounced in Italy. Arthur makes fun of me all the time for the way I pronounce stuff. So I was like, you know what? You know what? After I sat there and scowled at the screen for straight up five minutes, I literally had a scowl on my face because I was like, this is bullshit. They want her to be running an Italian restaurant and she doesn't even know how to say strafoli. I looked it up. I watched videos. I found YouTube videos of Italian people saying it just to make sure that I wasn't crazy. It's struffoli. How dare these Hallmark people? I just. Cooper's not happy with the Hallmark Cooper people is, either. Cooper's pissed because he's an Italian boy and he knows at Christmas you eat struffoli. For those of you who don't know, struffoli is a delicious dessert. It is also known as honey balls. It's a dough that you roll into teeny tiny little balls and deep fry, and then you roll it in honey and nonpareil sprinkles. Oh, that actually delicious. sounds amazing. It's great. Crunchy, light. They're the best. Usually I go up to my family's in New Jersey, and we make batches upon batches upon batches of struffoli, and literally we all sit around the table, and you just get handed a wad of dough, and you have to roll it. 
And then the men are outside with the deep fryer frying this truthfully. And at the end, everybody gets to leave with a bag and we have a bunch to throw in the freezer so that we can have it for Christmas and New Year's. Um, Cause it is a lot of work. So I didn't make any this year, but screw you Hallmark. It is truthfully, you couldn't have just picked a dessert that you knew how to pronounce or like looked it up. That was a huge digression and I'm sorry, but I just needed everyone to know how shook I was. Like, I'm going to write them a letter and be like, you need to edit that scene out because you're embarrassing yourself. They are already trying to branch out and incorporate the Jewish aspects into this movie, which is a stretch for them. And they can only focus on one minority group at a time. And they've decided to just shun the Italians. So I apologize. I can't believe they couldn't find one Italian person somewhere that had heard of Struffoli. I guess there's not a lot of Italians not in, in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh my, it really, it really put me off. And it probably took me half an hour before I like forgot about it and was able to move on. But this potentially is just one of those things too. Like if you're filming a movie in 15 days or 20 days and you say something wrong and then the editor's like, fuck, like they said this wrong, but we can't go back and do reshoots. It is what it is. So we're leaving it in. I know, but she says it wrong. And then later the guests that she gave the Struffoli to for dessert were like, oh, Christina, that Struffoli was so bellissima. And I'm like, (laughs) so they did it twice. So somebody told those people to say it that way way yeah uh that's Somebody sad i'm should sorry get fired at hallmark Whatever. um they so that yeah that like you said establishes one that she's a bad italian and two <laughs> that she runs this restaurant and that it's doing pretty pretty well um in the next scene we're gonna cut back to this like grocery store market for important it's one of two places that we have important conversations one is a sidewalk in front of some shops that we see quite often. The other is this market. So Janet and Christina are walking. They're kind of talking. Janet says she's putting in an offer on a house. That's her kind of one wish. That never comes up again. So I think that is just said to then lead to Christina's wish, which is she just wants some family around. She's missing her mom. She's got no one else right now. and, And she just really wishes that she had some people to love. She wants some people to love. And she tells Janet um, about her DNA test results that are coming in this week. Um, They also use this scene in the market to play up the fact that her Italian heritage is very important to her. She is imagining like, who might she find as her family on this DNA website? I could be related to Versace. I could have a huge family with a villa in Tuscany. Like this woman cannot even imagine the fact that like, just because you were adopted by an Italian American woman does not mean that you have the same heritage. Like she's not even considering that as a possibility here. Back at the restaurant, we meet Eddie a.k.a. Bradley Stryker, who uh, (laughs) comes to fix the roof. The roof is leaking, and he says it's probably going to take two to three weeks to to fix up. And Christina just wants to make sure that he can be done by Christmas Eve. But as you point out, uh, there's a little bit of uh, flawed thinking in this logic here. Yeah, Christina runs back to the restaurant for an emergency, finds out that all the pipes are completely jacked up. There's water coming in everywhere. And the restaurant has to be closed for two to three weeks. 
And when she learns this news, she is not outraged that she needs to close down her bustling restaurant during the three busiest weeks of the year leading up to Christmas. She's not worried about the expense of this complicated plumbing job. All she cares about is that she can reopen by Christmas Eve so that she can have her Christmas Eve party and her Feast of the Seven Fishes. That is, like, she doesn't seem to be stressed about any of this. Like, you're going to be losing tens of thousands of dollars in revenue having to close your restaurant down, not to mention the cost of the repair. And you're just like, Eddie, I got to get, I got to do my Christmas Eve party. Like, all your employees are about to be laid off. You're not upset about this at all? Apparently not. That's a really good catch. Maybe just even a line here that like showed some more concern for that. No concern. No concern. It's really just for the Feast of the Seven Fishes Christmas Eve dinner, which she hosts. Uh, Jacqueline, can you tell us a little bit more about that? uh, I've heard this before, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. It is uh, an Italian tradition to serve seven fishes, seven different fishes on Christmas Eve. I don't actually really know the history of it, but, you know, like on high holy days, Catholics didn't eat meat. So uh, Christmas Eve was one of the days where you wouldn't eat meat. So we had the Feast of the Seven Fishes. This is something that my family and I still participate in. We always have fish on Christmas Eve. We don't normally care if we exactly have seven although i did count and this year i will have exactly seven fishes that's a fuck ton of fish it's really not when you think about it it's not like i've got seven whole fish so yeah we're not crazy about it like we eat fish there might be seven there might be more there might be less if we want to have meat we're going to have meat we're not you know it's not a thing really but it is a tradition um And for a lot of Italians, Christmas Eve is like the bigger day than Christmas Day. And in Italy, they do presents on Epiphany on January 6th. They don't do presents on Christmas Day. So it's Christmas Eve is like the more important day. Interesting. Very good. Appreciate that context. Um, Okay. so Eddie promises, he says, I'll have this done for you. No problem. I'll fix this up this leak. No worries. And uh, and so Christina goes home. She puts on an old record and she's eaten a fancy dinner alone because, again, this really just drives home the point that she's got no one. And then later on, we cut to, I can't tell if this is her office or if it's her home office. We see this, this area a couple of times, um, but she's with her friend again for whatever reason they didn't want to have dinner together but they are now hanging (laughs) out and uh, she admits that she's just done some more retail therapy and she's bought a few more ornaments and lawn ornaments for the house because uh she's feeling lonely and sad yeah janet is trying to tell her to cool it on the decorations she's going like christmas explosion and christina is saying that like decorating is help helping to make her happy and like distract her um I'm assuming that this room that we will see a few times is her office in the restaurant because every time we see her there, Janet is with her. I'm assuming Janet is like her assistant slash maybe her, the restaurant manager mm-hmm. um, cause she's helping her with like the ordering. She asks her about like ordering olive oil and stuff. So I think she's sort of like the, the manager there. Um, but this is a weird scene. Like 
Christina is saying how she's kind of like sad and depressed. And then she very non sequitorially is like, and then I broke off that four month, four year long engagement over, over a phone call. And they like never mention that again. It, it, It was so pointless for that engagement to even be brought up. Like we don't need an excuse as to why a woman in her thirties is single. She's single because she's single. We don't need it to be like, well, well, I broke off this engagement. Like maybe she's just single. I, I feel like they just threw that in for no reason. No, it's, we need to establish she's not a weirdo and that she is single because no, you're exactly right. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a like, sexist construct. It's just so dumb. Like it yeah. did not even need to be in there. It does nothing for the scene, nothing for the plot, but she's like, you know, what are you going to do? Your mom dies, your engagement ends. You just got to go buy some lawn ornaments. Uh, and then ding, ding, ding. What's that email? Oh, it's my DNA test results. I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm a hundred percent that bitch. Even when I'm crying crazy. Yeah, I got boy. Yeah, exactly. The results are in and drum roll. The music builds. She is 50% Italian and Greek and 50% Jewish. Oh, she did not see that coming. <laughs> Although this, so this is my first note of a very underwhelming scene alert, because when you got this information, I would imagine some sort of immediate shock and process. She just kind of is very underwhelmed about this information. Like it's not surprising at all. Right. Well, part of that is because Hallmark is so whack that they just had to make her actually be Italian. Like they, they literally couldn't. They were like, well, we don't want this to be too jarring for poor Christina and our poor audience. Like she has to be able to keep her Italian heritage. So they kept her as half Italian. And now they're just adding in this like half Jewish thing, which was such a cop out, but whatever. Um, Yeah. And yeah, she literally is like, I'm half Jewish. (laughs) Like it was no... No disbelief, no just like, this is so interesting, nothing. It was just like, yeah, a little underwhelming. Yes. But she, they, you know, they go for a walk to process the news. The walk lasts roughly 10 seconds and they immediately go back inside. Um, It's like, (laughs) these scenes are so weird. Um, But she's like, oh, I'm half Jewish. Now I need to learn this whole other religion and traditions. It's like, no, you don't. You don't have to do anything. Like, it was like, who goes straight there? Like, I would, I think, I mean, obviously, I've never done a DNA test. And I don't know what I would think if I found out something that I wasn't expecting. But I don't think I would be like, feel this great obligation to like learn a whole new culture. I might be like, this is cool. I can't wait to like research it, but I wouldn't be like, I have to reevaluate all of my holiday traditions because I'm Jewish now. Hanukkah starts next week. I need to be hundred percent prepared for this holiday at this exact time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I have done a DNA test and. Were you hundred uh, percent that bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I was. Ashkenazi Jew. So uh, no surprises there whatsoever. Very boring results. But Christina is excited. She's got nine DNA matches, one in the close family category. And right as she's figuring out whether or not uh, she should contact this person or who it is, ding, she gets a message. And uh, Becky from Shaker Heights says she would like to meet. And what are the odds this person lives in Cleveland, 10 miles away, 
She just stares at her computer, like, waiting for other people's DNA matches to pop up so that she can message them immediately. And, uh, yeah, 30 seconds later, they've got a date to hang out. Yeah, they're going to have lunch. Um, I don't – so, like you said, she she finds out that she has a match in the close relative or close family category. I've never done one of these DNA tests, but some of my family members have. And I know that on the major ones, like the Ancestry and the 23andMe – they tell you exactly how the person is related to you. Mm -hmm. They tell you this is a half sibling. This is a cousin or first cousin. This is an aunt. Like they know. Yeah. DNA is more specific than close, close and family. not close. Yeah. So she, so she would know immediately that this per like how exactly this person was related to her, but this was kind of a cop out. They just, you know, they obviously need to build the mystery. Christina agrees to go meet up with this person, Becky. Uh, and they meet out in Shaker Heights, which I believe is where Ted Mosby is from in How I Met Your Mother. Oh. And they meet, she meets Becky and Becky's brother, Scott. And they also own a restaurant. Crazy. What were the odds? I know. Yeah. So Lenny Sports Deli, the logo here, the kind of design on their uniforms is the exact same color and design as the Cleveland Indians baseball team. Okay. Very clear parallel. Lenny's, just like it would say Indians across the front of the jerseys, only for another year because the Cleveland Indians are changing their team name to be more that. respectful, uh, which stuff. is very exciting. So they will just be the team from Cleveland maybe for a year. But anyway, very that makes sense. You're in Cleveland. That's your baseball team. That's the way you're going to design it to get people to come in. Uh, his dad, their dad loved food and sports. So you got yourself a sports deli. That's not really a thing, but you know, whatever it works. A sports deli is not a thing, um, but sure. Yeah, I'll, exactly. I'll go for it. I love delis. I mean, do they serve beer? I guess is the question. Can I sit at the counter and watch a game? Because if not, then they really have no business calling themselves a sports deli. You got to have a TV and they got to have some alcohol. Yeah, exactly right. right. You can't just have a bunch of latkes. We may never know, but we do know that they have latkes and a latka of them. Oh, <laughs> no one has ever made that joke before. So, yes, Christina walks in. She meets Becky. That's her relative. Becky's got a brother working in the restaurant. Everyone's nervous. This is the first DNA match that they've each gotten to meet. Uh, Christina says she's adopted, doesn't know any family. Uh, Becky says she's got a husband and a couple of kids, and they're all just trying to figure out how they are related as you said, they both have restaurants, so they bond over that. And in walks Benjamin Savage. Ooh, David Singer. He walks up, says hello. Hey, man, I'm going to need those latkes. I'm on a deadline. Start slinging me some latkes. And uh, they all introduce. We find out that Ben David is not family. He is a, a family friend of Becky and Scott's. And... Uh, Christina recognizes his name, and that is because he is a food critic who gave Christina's restaurant an absolutely tepid review. Mediocre, yeah. <laughs> and so we're setting up the conflict. Christina is bristling a little bit at the fact that, like, this is the guy who called her lasagna predictable. Ooh. And David is trying to backpedal a little and being very polite about it he's like oh you know i remember saying the food was good it just like didn't blow me away or whatever he's trying to be 
soften it, which I don't know how you soften such a like, it wasn't like it was a scathingly bad review. It was like a very just like middle of the road review, but Christina is not taking it well. And so they're just setting up the little bit of the kind of like pride and prejudice style conflict here, right? Like they, they meet and they don't initially hit it off. Exactly. Um, meanwhile, the brother is doing eight crazy latkes. Uh, we've got the holy guac, the whole enchilatka, um, which I will say I made latkes the other day and I basically made avocado toast on the latka. So the, uh, the, the latka, the avocado, some cucumber, maybe an egg or two, if you want to like really do it. It was very, very good. Mm-hmm. That so. sounds good. Um, yeah, I like the names that he's coming up for with his latkes. Uh, the enchilatka is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And Ben Savage is, like we said, he's a food critic. So the restaurant, is the deli is basically asking him to like weigh in on what he thinks about their, um, their new line of eight crazy latkes for Hanukkah. Um, and everyone in this movie is doing a really good job of pronouncing it Hanukkah which is very authentic, but which I will not, <laughs> will not be doing. <laughs> um, they have so much in common because dad passed away and left the restaurant to the kids, just like what happened with Christina and her mom. They just, they're bonding so well. And, and Becky wants her mom to fill in the blanks on how everyone might be related here. So she invites Christina over to brunch the next day when mom will be home from her trip back from St. Louis. And, uh, Christina offers to bring some dessert. Yeah. So we're going to see each other the next day at brunch. They show up at Ruth's house, uh, which who is uh, Becky's mother. Mm -hmm. And we're there for brunch. And uh, they really start like playing up the family dynamic, right? We find out that David is going to be staying at Ruth's house for the holidays because his parents have moved away and he's only in town for a few days. So he's staying with them. Um, You know, we learn a little bit more about Becky's family, uh, her kids and her husband, although they are not at brunch that day. Mm -hmm. It's just the siblings and Christina. And we learn a little bit about Ruth and that she is a, a dreidel collector. Yeah, she's got quite a beautiful dreidel collection. I don't know anyone who has a dreidel collection, but hers is very beautiful and displayed in one of those big glass display cases. Um, I couldn't find anything on the world's largest dreidel collection, but I did find that the world's most expensive dreidel uh, was made by Tiffany's, or I guess just not, not Tiffany's, a New York City jeweler who has it's got a bunch of diamonds it's 18 karat gold and it's worth about seventy thousand dollars wow i um i was gonna ask if uh how your mom's dreidel collection is but i guess (laughs) josh and i were talking the other day and josh was like this is not a thing dreidel collections and i was like you know you're probably right but like for any trinket that exists there is someone who collects it so i don't think it's out of the question that she collects dreidels and has like this curio cabinet of dreidels i don't think that um i would hope that most people don't think that that is like a jewish thing and that there's like dreidel worship happening where there's like such a precious item but you know people collect everything no that's a really good point remember the kid from uh high school who collected pez dispensers pez? Mm-hmm. Yeah. he was in the newspaper 
Yeah, I had a lot of them. So you're right. People will collect anything. Um, but yeah, exactly right. This is it's just not something I know anyone collecting. But yeah. Um, one other thing I liked here is when they pull up, Christina pulls up basically the same time David does, and they both are driving brand new shiny matching Nissan Rogues. I didn't notice that at all, but there were so many Nissan Rogue commercials during this yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was like maybe 30 seconds after this, they like pull up and it cuts away and the first one's a Nissan commercial. And there's a shot I would notice the second time through where like the back of one is on the left side of the screen, the back of one is on the right side and they're perfectly centered having a conversation in the middle. Oh yeah. man. I did notice that with the cars and like one is red and one is blue yeah, yeah. and it was like a very symmetrical shot. I didn't notice that they were the same car, but I did notice that Ruth's um, front walkway was not, had not been shoveled and they're like trudging through the snow to get to the front <laughs> door. Meanwhile, like the driveway is perfectly shoveled, but the front walk just like is not. And there's a shovel leaning right against the floor. I'm like, who is in charge of shoveling Ruth? Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so David is lurking around this very important family meetup. He couldn't have just like gone to sit in his like guest room for a while or like gone for a walk. He needs to be there for this. No, I get I get his... that he's like staying there, but they didn't know how important of a meetup this was going to be. They literally thought it was like brunch and they were going to chat about like how they were related, which again, this is not how DNA sites work. They would have exactly known how this was going to go down, but um, they, yeah, like they didn't know that it was going to turn into this like very intimate and emotional thing. So he's just thinking he's getting a bagel and cream cheese and some brunch. And next thing you know, it's like a tearful family reunion happening. Yeah, we do get some of his background, which is that he's on his way to Europe. He's going to be there for a while, writing a new book, trying some great food and writing about it. And he's just kind of, he's his, his sublet sold. So he's hanging out with his family friends through the new year, um, through the holidays, and then he's going to go take off for Europe. So we get all of that background. Um, we learn that like Lenny and, and his uh, dad were best friends, and that's how they all know each other. And so that kind of sets up the main plot here, which is we start talking about DNA and Ruth starts asking Christina all of these questions. She says, where were you born? What is your birthday? And all of a sudden you start to see Ruth's face just kind of uh, change and, and get really serious and the, the sad music plays and, and all of a sudden we get the reveal. Yeah. As soon as Ruth finds out that Christina was adopted, the gears start turning and she starts grilling her and then she like gets up at the table, leaves the table, yeah, walks ten feet away, stares into space for about ten seconds, and no then one turns- seems concerned. No one seems concerned. She turns and comes back to the table and is like, "Let's just change the subject." And everybody's like, "What's wrong, mom?" And she's like, "Now's not the time or the place." And David is like, "The time or the place for what?" And this is where you're like, "David, shut up! You're not a yeah. part of this. Like, <laughs> leave Ruth she's alone." Like, it's not the time or the place, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah, but okay, let me just spill my guts over brunch here. And so it just so happens that uh, Ruth was married to an Italian man while she was a studying abroad in Italy when she was a young girl. She married him. They annulled the marriage. She moved back to the U.S. And when she got back to the States, she realized she was pregnant. She couldn't reach him. He had enlisted in the Italian army. Uh, and so she decided to give the baby up for a, adoption. 
Um, and of course, it just so happens that Christina's biological father is an Italian man, which seems against all odds, but mm-hmm. whatever. So not only is he uh, of Italian heritage, but he's actually like lives in Italy, is Italian. Um, so he can probably teach her how to say struthfully properly. Yeah, he was <laughs> he was an Italian soldier and Ruth was never able to contact him, just like had no contact information, tried to tell him about the baby couldn't and she realized she's a young girl by herself she could not raise this baby so she gave the baby up for adoption and um this is the first that her biological kids all three of them are uh are hearing about this she's never told that she told her husband lenny about all of this and lenny basically said like it's up to you to decide when you want to tell them um and this is the moment it all comes out um it's also in Christina's reaction here where I realized for the first time this movie is actually not going to be that good. <laughs> um, Christina is very shaken by the news. The kids are shaken, but you know, Becky immediately goes to, Oh my God, that means we're sisters. And if I found out that I had a sister that I didn't know about right now, I do not think I would be very pleased. I'd be yeah. like, I don't, need a sister i don't want a sister that sounds like a lot of drama being added to my life that i didn't ask for but thankfully becky is a much better person than i am because she is psyched about having a sister um but christina is just like this is too much i think i've had all i can take for one day and she just like slinks away from the table um goes out to her car and David follows her out to just make sure she's okay before she pulls away in her Nissan Rogue in sport say, mode. Are you sure snow? you are okay to drive the, uh, <laughs> with the, the, you know, it's got the four wheel drive package. And if you make just pop sure that you, thing. <laughs> make sure you put it in snow mode before you pull out. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some great handling and safety features. You should be fine. Yeah, no, David comes out to check on her and she's just like, you know, this is just a little bit much for me to handle. I just need some time. So she goes home. David assures Ruth like she'll be okay. But I'm like, David, you don't you don't have no idea if she'll be okay. You just met her, but whatever. Um, yes. So um, the next few scenes all are just a little bit of background, a lot of bi- a little bit of like everyone coping with this news. So at first, um, Christina gets to talk to Brandy or gets to talk to Janet because Janet basically only exists to like help Christina work out some of these things. Mm-hmm. So she's like shooken and and Janet basically says, like, you don't have to let go of the old to embrace the new. Like you can embrace both of your mothers and have these experiences you can make new memories and christina's like okay and then the kids back at ruth's house are trying to understand what's going on and ruth says you know i want you to understand it just kept on getting harder and harder to tell you and they say timing is everything but maybe i missed the right time and becky very sweetly says this was the right time mom so everyone is coping with this um pretty well at this point very well. They are all handling the news very well. Um, and I, a little bit unrealistic, but I think it's, I think Hallmark, you know, they want to show us the world that we want to have, right? Not necessarily the world that we do have. So everybody's happy, kumbaya. Um, and David comes by Christina's restaurant to check on her. He just wanted to make sure she was doing okay after yesterday at brunch. And, uh, 
Janet suggests, well, why don't you just whip up some lasagna for David, <laughs> Christina? Like, even though the restaurant's closed and <laughs> lasagna isn't a dish that you can just make for two people. Yeah, go slave <laughs> in the kitchen and make an entire freaking lasagna to serve this guy lunch. And Christina's like, okay. Um, so she cooks him a lasagna and they Which, are ha- Jacqueline, I would imagine you've made a lasagna in your day. And I will be making one tomorrow for Christmas. Give me the ballpark timing on start to finish lasagna from scratch. Oh, the sauce needs hours. I mean, assuming if you're, the sauce needs to simmer for hours. Even if she's um, got some like pre-made sauce already somewhere because she wasn't anticipating the restaurant shutting down. Even to just like layer it all and bake it. You're still talking about an hour, 90 minutes, right? Yeah. If the sauce was already prepared, she could knock it out in you know she could assemble the thing in 15 minutes and but it would take uh, an hour or more to bake depending on the size of the lasagna so i don't know maybe she did like a little mini one or something but it is not a dish that you just whip up off the cuff for two people i will tell you that yeah we learn during this lasagna that david actually is very much enjoying it once it is prepared and christina kind of says you wrote that review right after my mom passed away. I, I probably wasn't at my best and um, the review was probably fair. Now David feels terrible because he's realizing that even though he's a food critic, that the people that he's writing about are real people with real lives and oh my gosh, the humanity. So he's he's feeling bad. Um, this is also the first that we learn about this angel in the courtyard that Christina's mom has always wanted and it's being delivered today. Well, I'll just say that nobody wants to eat depressed lasagna. The tears don't really add anything to it. <laughs> no. Yes, the um the angel in the courtyard. So apparently it was Christina's mother's wish to always have an angel statue and uh just so happens it's being delivered today and oh wouldn't you know it Janet has <laughs> to leave for the day, but David's here so he can hang out with you during the reveal of this very emotional and private moment that you're having. Um, So David sticks around and, and watches the angel get delivered. Yeah. David is also trying to get Christina to call Ruth. And she says, it's not an easy call for me to make, which who talks like that? (laughs) I know. I know. But he does, he does convince her to reach out to Ruth. Yes. So the two of them do meet up and Ruth invites Christina to the first night of Hanukkah. Yeah, she goes over and she makes the call. She's talking to Ruth. Ruth says that uh, her ex was in the Italian army and this is where she finds out she was pregnant. She was pregnant, couldn't get in touch. She couldn't raise a baby, gives her away. And Christina says, well, you know what? I, I was raised by a really good, loving mother who just really wanted a baby and I had a good life. And, and that means a lot to Ruth. And this is when you, like you said, Ruth says, please come to the first night of Hanukkah. You can meet more family. You can learn about the traditions. And um, slowly, this is exactly what Christina wanted. She said she wanted her wish to be that she had some family and some people who loved her. And so, um, so this is turning out to be pretty good for her. Yes, and that brings us to the first night of Hanukkah. On the first night of Hanukkah, Becky meets the family. I hope you're going to leave that in. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the first. We've we've got love. We've got lights. I don't think we have either of those things in the movie yet. But now we now? officially have Hanukkah. 
We sure do. Uh, for those of you out there, Hanukkah is eight nights. If the movie did not uh, break this down for you enough, eight nights of Hanukkah. So the rest of this movie is going to take place over the remaining eight nights of this holiday. And they light the menorah each of these nights, starting with uh, this first night at Ruth's house. We get to meet Becky's family. She got two kids. They look nice enough. Her husband kind of looks like a jabroni. Uh, don't love the way he's dressed. Uh, I think this could have been cast a little bit better, but you know, whatever. Josh, Hanukkah is the festival of lights. And instead mm -hmm. of one day, <laughs> you get eight crazy nights. That is, uh, that is true. I Thank wrote, you, Adam Sandler. I wrote that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So basically Christina shows up and she's getting the full, treatment from the family she meets becky's husband and their two precocious children uh the brother scott pokes his head and is like oh by the way i have a fiance but for some reason she's out of town so but i needed to say that so that you know that i have a fiance Why? Another, yeah another just like totally so random that, like he doesn't become a love interest for his half sister like i don't you know <laughs> i i think they mention it because then the kid awkwardly is like I'm going to be a flower girl. Are you going to be at the wedding? And right. the brother's like, of course she'll be there. That's a She's lot of setup for that now. one line. Right. Like the whole thing just could have been ignored. It just was exactly like the engagement. Like, by the way, I'm not a freak who's single, just so you know. <laughs> like, Just didn't even need to be in there. But anyway, um, you know, she gets to meet everyone. Um and everyone gives is giving Christina a Hanukkah lesson and then we go and light the menorah. So they're telling her about the oil and the miracle of Hanukkah. And, you know, then we're going to light the menorah and all say the prayer together. All of the food, the kogel, the latkes, the challah. And then they start playing dreidel, like you said. Ruth shows off her collection of dreidels and... Uh, at the very end here, Christina is very moved by all of this and says that she would like to host the entire family for the last night of Hanukkah, and they all gladly accept. That seems like a bold move, like oh, yeah. brand new to the family, and you're going to claim the last night of Hanukkah? Like, maybe just invite people over for a random night in between. Seems like you're probably encroaching on some of their family traditions, but they're very cool about it. Um, I did have many questions about this scene. One... We find out that David's parents have retired to San Diego. Josh, mm -hmm. as a resident of San Diego, is that a hot retirement destination? I think it uh, wouldn't be, but I it's not just because of the price. Like it's just hard to like live somewhere else and then retire to one of the most expensive cities. Like people don't retire to New York or DC or San Francisco or San Diego probably for a number of reasons, but cost is, I think, the most prohibitive. Like when you can move to Florida for one seventh the price, it just makes a lot more sense. But I would say it's a very, if you've got the money to move to San Diego, you 1000% should do it. It's currently December 23rd and it's 65, 66 degrees. So mm. I'm not complaining. I just wasn't, I didn't know if it was a hot retirement spot. I didn't think it would be on the East coast. Everybody retires to Florida or Delaware because of the, uh, Delaware isn't warm, but it has the tax benefits yes. of retirement. And there are beaches there, which retired people love and lots of golf courses. Um, but I was just curious. 
yeah, Arizona is like a big retirement place for the West Coast people um, because it's warm and cheap and all of those things. You don't get the beach, but you get like the, the temperature, which I think people care about. Um, no, I mean, I, maybe David's dad's just like a big surfer and just wanted to take it up. I don't know, but I, I can't blame him, blame him. That's for sure. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they have other family out there. Um, also, the menu for the first night of Hanukkah is latkes, brisket, kugel, and challah. And Scott asks Christina to pass the kugel, and she doesn't know what that is, which is understandable. Understandable. But then she has the chance to redeem herself when he's like, okay, just pass me the challah. And she doesn't know what that is either. And I know that she's Italian, but there is a 0% chance that a chef- yes who owns a restaurant does not know what challah is. And that is just shameful. Yeah. It's 2020. Like Trader Joe's sells challahs year round at this point. And you're yeah. like you said, a goddamn chef. Like, you know what that is. Yeah. That was pathetic. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Ruth as she's showing Christina, her dreidel collection. She says, my motto is why do when you can overdo, which happens <laughs> to be my husband, Arthur's personal motto. He says everything worth doing is worth overdoing, sure. <laughs> but that that scene really resonated with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad one scene could. Yeah. I can't imagine he got much else out of this movie. As he chugged his wine until the movie ended. Uh, all right. So they're at the bar. Uh, Christina's there. David walks in, says he wants to write a new book. Christina doesn't really want to try anything new. He's making suggestions like, oh, you could like infuse some Jewish cooking into your menu and maybe like it'll spice things up. And she's like, no, that'll be rude to my mom. Like I'm keeping this exactly the way that she wanted it. And she honestly is a little bit rude to David, who's just kind of like looking out for her here. Yeah. So we just finished the first night of Hanukkah and this next segment of the movie, I'm going to just refer to as Christina and David. Okay. Because from here on out, we're just building the Christina David yes. relationship. Um, and the next several scenes are going to center around that. Um, David is clearly just looking for an excuse to come hang out with Christina, right? He's popping in on her restaurant once again. Last time he did the pop in, they had a really nice afternoon eating lasagna, watching a statue get delivered. So he pops in and he's sort of like faking this excuse of like, oh, I've got some ideas for your menu. And she is very rude to him. Um, like totally overreacts, gets angry, tells him to like mind his own business. In her defense, it is pretty rude to go into someone else's restaurant and give them unsolicited advice yeah. on their business, but he clearly was just trying to like come see her and was looking for a pretense. <clears throat> Which he says he's terrible at. He mm -hmm. said he just wanted to see her. She uh, says she's going to get a Christmas tree and doesn't invite him, but he just kind of invites himself along. He's um, like, hey, let me, I'll come, I want to come along. Like yeah. I, uh, I'd love to go get a Christmas tree and... She's like, okay, so they go together and um, now the tables have turned a little bit because where last night they were all schooling Christina on the Hanukkah traditions. Now David is in Christina's home. They're putting up the tree and she's kind of filling him in on some of her Christmas traditions. Yeah, the house is insanely decorated. The lights and everything. The house is humongous. Did you see the house? It, it was is huge. Yes, um, it it's is beautiful. Huge. I don't think Cleveland is a particularly expensive city to live in. Um, and if she is like a, a well-off chef who's got this business, potentially, but yes, or maybe it was her mom's house or something, her family house. It's crazy. There's a ton of decorations. And my the point of the movie in which I got most excited because I knew we were going to be recording this podcast together 
was this scene here because they're listening to Lou Monty and <laughs> she, and uh, and he's like, what the hell is this music? And she's like, I grew up listening to this music. You don't know Lou Monty, Dominic the donkey. A ching a dee ching. <laughs> it's Dominic the donkey. Uh, yeah, the fact that she's saying that she loves Lou Monty Christmas music is kind of a joke because like Lou Monty, while the song they are playing, I believe it's called Just Because It's Christmas, is a great song. Um, most of Lou Monty's music is kind of like silly joke music. Like he's got Dominic the Donkey, which is hilarious. And I listen to it every Christmas. Santa's got a little friend. His name is Dominic. The cutest little donkey. you never see him kick. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be. Because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy. Hey, jingity jing. It's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. La, 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 But I wouldn't, like, put it on if I had guests over. You know, I would play, like you'd play like Dean Martin or Bing Crosby or something, but she's like all in on Lou Monty. He's got songs that are like Peppino, the Italian chipmunk and like weird, weird stuff. Well, Dominic the donkey is weird as hell. And I only know that song because of you and Stefano, my two Italian friends who grew up listening to that song. Jamie had never heard it before. What? This is crazy. Every time I like introduce someone to this song, man, maybe only Italians know that song. I, I don't know. But yeah, she had never Dominic the Donkey, listen to it. It is about how when Santa goes to Italy, he needs the help of an Italian donkey because his reindeer can't get up the mountains, mountains in the are hills tough. of Italy. Yeah. So they got to call on the Italian Christmas donkey to help them. Uh, it's a cute, funny song, but... Uh, Lou Monty is not what I think of when I think of like great Italian American musicians. Yeah, you know, that's I fair. Would, I would go Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra before I went with Never Lou heard Monty. of them. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're pretty obscure. I know those are some deep cuts, but <laughs> she also shows Ben Savage her Babbo Natale Christmas ornament, who is uh, he's Father Christmas in Italy. But in Italy, Babbo Natale is really not a big thing. Instead, they have La Bifana who's an old witch and she brings mm. the children presents on epiphany, which I, th- I think I mentioned earlier, yes. but Santa is not huge in Italy. It's all about the, the witch lady. Um, all right. So we get more, as you mentioned, David and Christina scenes here, they kind of, here's another walking down the street moment. Becky and mom are trying to figure out what to get her for Christmas. Then Christina and David are going shopping. She again pays with a lot of cash for some Hanukkah <laughs> ornaments and decorations. She throws the cash at the woman and, and leaves and nobody has mentioned a price, but nope. that's okay. Just it's, it's this wad of dollars. Uh, that's exactly the price. They get some dumplings. The dumpling guy is very appreciative because David gave him a good review, which allowed them to build up their business. Um, so they're eating these delicious dumplings. He's talking, he used to make kugel with his dad. Not the best cook, but he's a good guy. Uh, we're not going to meet his dad, so I'm not sure why that's important. But It was weird. Um, and she kind of says, you know, I, I don't know my dad, which again is like the important line here. All of this builds to the fact that like she doesn't know who her father is. Um, so that later on that can become a thing. And then, so that's, uh, that's where they are on this. They don't call it a date. No one references it as a date, but it, it's definitely have date, date vibes. 
it is worth mentioning that Ruth and Becky are delighted to know that David and Christina have been hanging out. Mm -hmm. They think that this is great news that could have gone either way. Like they're just getting to know her. They, they might, I could see how they wouldn't want it to get overly complicated by having their family friend, like date her because they're both really family. And if something goes wrong, it's going to potentially be messy, but they are just delighted. They think it's a great idea. Um, Yep, Christmas shopping, eating dumplings together. Uh, and then fortuitously, right after that conversation about Christina's dad, Ruth asks David, what do you think Christina would want for Christmas? And David suggests an introduction to her dad. David's a bit of a busybody, don't you think? Yeah, he's all up Poking in this his nose in. He's, yeah. he's all up in this, but it is a good suggestion. And Ruth, you know, she's not exactly sure how to go about this, but she says she's going to look into it. Um, and she really wants to get her a Hanukkah slash Christmas gift. They never use the word Chrismica, which I'm Trademark. a little disappointed in. <laughs> um, apparently, it's got some like historical um, uses that were made popular along that were invented a long time ago. But as you very clearly know, this was kind of brought back to life in the early 2000s with a little TV show we like to call the OC. Yes, Chrismica, it has twice the resilience of a normal holiday. So what's it gonna be, huh? You want your menorah or a candy cane? Hmm? Christmas or Hanukkah? Uh... Don't worry about it, buddy, because in this house, you don't have to choose. Allow me to introduce you to a little something that I like to call... Chrismica. Chrismica? That's right, it's a new holiday, Ryan, and it's sweeping the nation. We didn't really know how to raise stuff. Yeah, so I raised myself. And in doing so, I created the greatest super holiday known to mankind, drawing on the best that Christianity and Judaism have to offer. And you call it Chrismica. Just hearing you say it makes me feel all festive. Allow me to elaborate. You see, for my father here, a poor struggling Jew growing up in the Bronx, well, Christmas, it meant Chinese food in a movie. And for my mom over here, waspy McWasp. Well, it meant a tree, it meant stockings and all the trimmings. Isn't that right? We're very proud. I'm not a wasp. Sure you're not. Other highlights include eight days of presents, followed by one day of many presents. So, what do you think? Some of the best OC episodes, for sure, are the Chrismica episodes. Absolutely. Season one Chrismica episode is top of the line. Christmas. Oh, man, so good, so good. You want? You got a dreidel? You got a stocking? You don't have to choose. You can have <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Seth Cohen. Um, yeah. But Christina is like her mood swings like a pendulum in this yeah. movie. And now she's now she's lamenting to Janet once again. Janet is here to prop up Christina and she's having a crisis because she feels guilty because she misses her mom. But now she's getting to know this new family and getting to know Ruth. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I feel so guilty. And uh, Janet is basically like, I mean, it sounds like more love and more family. It doesn't sound like you're replacing anything. So like, I think you should just enjoy and get to know your family. And Christine is like, okay, <laughs> thanks yeah. for solving that. They, she, she sees David again. Um, they talk about the book a little bit. They're like giving each other afternoon, some advice. Afternoon kugel date. Yeah. I mean, he's got nothing to do. Her restaurant's shut down so they can just hang out whenever exactly making some kugel and talking about this book and then surprise david takes her to the menorah lighting in the town square where oh all of her family is there and this is the fourth night of hanukkah 
That was a nice little surprise that he organized for her. He brought her down there and the rest of the family was there waiting. So that was, that was a really thoughtful thing. Um, the menorah lighting at this town square is like 10 feet tall, which is pathetic compared to the menorah in downtown Baltimore, which is 32 feet Ooh, tall. Nice. And yeah. there's one, I believe it's the tallest one. Um, it's in Brooklyn and it's like 120 feet or something. It's like insane. Yeah, it it dwarfs the Baltimore one. And and if you ever seen the one in downtown Baltimore, it is it very large. It's impressively large. So it's hard to even imagine having a hundred foot tall. Four one. times like, the size. Yeah, in the middle of your city. But um, anyway, it was a cute little thing. They they see the menorah lighting and they all sing the prayer and they have some like R&B artists singing the the prayer. Ooh, I don't I'm know glad, what the prayer is called. I'm glad you didn't Ooh. look it up. Um, who is it? <laughs> it's so the song that's playing. Well, I don't. I don't know who it is, but the song that's playing in the background is yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. Oh, that must be what I'm thinking of. He's got a new Christmas album out. It's that, really good. Yeah, he's but amazing. I haven't. I haven't listened to like the whole thing. I I keep listening to like the same four songs from it over. His yeah. version of Melancholy Kimaka is so good. Yeah, he. And that's um, not a song that I like, but he does a really good version. He was on. Dax's podcast. It was like the end of year holiday extravaganza, and he does this show Central Park with Kristen Bell. It's like an animated show on Apple TV uh, with Josh Gad too. It's it's actually pretty cool, and they do a lot of singing and stuff. And so they had that him on, and he sings um, he sings a song, and it's God, that guy's voice is so good. It's like velvet. It's so beautiful. Oh wow! I didn't. Yeah, I, that was a nice little surprise. I did not look that up, but I was watching and i was like man this is high quality for a hallmark movie it sounds like they really got a good singer for this <laughs> they sure did <laughs> yeah. all right so christina gets invited to brunch again this is really just like we're gonna see each other every day of hanukkah now and we, you've got nothing to do we've got nothing to do um <laughs> over at ruth's house we find out that the family is a bunch of Cubs fans. And I'm not okay. going to say that this is unprecedented because I grew up a Yankees fan and I lived in Maryland my whole life. And it was because my dad grew up in New York. We don't really learn anything about Lenny, AKA the kind of father who doesn't, the, the, the Ruth's husband. Um, so possibly he grew up in Cleveland or grew up in Chicago and was a Cubs fan and then moved to Cleveland. But what's confusing about that is that the uniforms I mentioned at the restaurant that they own is in the style of the Cleveland Indians uniform, not the Cubs uniform. So we've got a lot of mixed baseball references here. That is very confusing. Yeah, we're, we're building a snowman at Ruth's house and he, they have him dressed as Wayne Gretzky. And Christina and Becky go inside to get the nose for the snowman. And Becky's like, you must think we're crazy with all this sports stuff. And I'm in my head, I'm like, putting a Wayne Gretzky scarf on your snowman isn't exactly like, oh my God, you must think we're so random. Like we're so crazy. So I'm like, okay. And then it's another just like non-sequitur, non sequitur, non sequiturally like, tossed into the conversation like yeah we're huge cubs fans i'm like you were just talking about wayne gretzky why are we talking about the cubs right now um but yeah their dad was a cub fan um 
And this will not be the last sports reference we have in this movie. Uh, sure won't. All right. Um, so we get some nice pictures out front. They're building the snowman. Everyone's taking some family pictures. It's a very sweet moment. There's a good hug and they take a picture. So that's really nice. And then um, just because we need another wrinkle thrown into everything here, um, back at the restaurant, Christina's there. Uh, David's there and they're decorating, getting ready for Christmas Eve. And then another Christmas tree. We just like, oh, it's huge too. The tree is fucking huge. There are a finite list of like tropes that the Hallmark channel knows to use for like holiday date activities. Mm -hmm. There's of course cookie decorating. Mm -hmm. There's ice skating. Mm -hmm. There's shopping building a snowman party together building a snowman together um dumb and dumber i think originated that one (laughs) (laughs) and also skiing that was (laughs) um but one of the tropes of course is decorating a christmas tree and they just did the tree decorating scene like two scenes ago with christina's tree and now we're doing it again in the restaurant and it is like a 20 foot tall tree and david's like a christmas tree in a restaurant this is wild (laughs) it's so cool um but (laughs) alas but alas the power goes out oh no and now we're in the dark and how are we ever going to get our christmas tree decorated well it's (laughs) an italian restaurant so of course they have ten thousand candles that they can light and it's it's getting pretty romantic with these two it is, but the I just I'm not buying the chemistry at this point. Like there's an awkward scene where like I didn't need this ploy to hold my hand and she just kind of says like good to know or like whatever. And it's just like it's a little awkward. All of their interactions are just a little awkward, which maybe that is how it is at the beginning, but I just I'm not feeling a lot of chemistry here. Yeah, it's definitely not like sparks are really flying. It seems a lot like David is sort of being like playful and christina's just kind of like the writing also just like i mentioned some weird lines earlier like who talks like that and david says a line here where they she asked like what's his best bottle of wine he's ever had and he says my parents gave me a bottle they bought it when i was born and they let it mature as i did it's like no one says that (laughs) no one says that (laughs) um (laughs) at any rate we leave them at the restaurant and now Christina is at the market with Janet again. And it sounds like her Hanukkah meal is going to be exactly the same as Ruth's meal. That's the only thing latkes. you're allowed to eat, Jacqueline. Well, that was going to be my question. She's <laughs> making latkes and brisket. Josh, can you confirm that this is the only thing you're legally allowed to eat on Hanukkah? Yeah, that's, that's all you're allowed to eat. Um, if you eat anything <laughs> else, God will smote you. For eight days? For eight days. Yeah, for all eight what days. For breakfast brisket and latkes yeah you can you can add an egg if you want egg is like part of the the latka family so right you can have okay. some eggs if you want but yeah you can't can't stray from that no vegetables i will also mention that um you know christine is feeling a little like uh a, a little torn again between old and new because she's also planning for her christmas eve dinner and planning for the hanukkah dinner has been taking attention off of christmas eve and like Christmas Eve was really important to her mother, so she's feeling guilty. But she mentions here that she needs to pick up Galliano for after dinner. And for those of you who don't know, Galliano is an Italian herbal liqueur, and it is absolutely vile. It's, <laughs> it is sick. She should have stuck with the limoncello. 
Yeah. My dad likes Galliano. So I know that people exist that drink it and like it. It is so gross. Not a way to endear your new family to your Italian culture. Give them some Fernet. Give them some limoncello. Please do not poison them with Galliano. What's the shit that we were drinking at your wedding? That's the uh, licorice flavor. Sambuca. Oh, Sambuca. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Sambuca. No, not good. We drank so much. It was <laughs> she Ruth is teaching Christina at one point how to make latkes, and mm-hmm. she asked if olive oil is okay, and she says yes. And uh, just a, <laughs> I was, I knew. <laughs> just knew a correction here: <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> Don't use olive oil for the love of God. You need a nice vegetable canola oil to to make the house smell for days and days. Also, Christina, I know you're Italian, but you don't have to use olive oil for everything. Other oils exist for a reason. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, for those of you out there trying to make latkes, do not use olive oil. I just, yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> I, they have botched the Italian side of this so bad. Like, they're like, what would an Italian ask while cooking latkes? <laughs> would, she, would she ask if she should add garlic? <laughs> no, 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 no. Olive oil, olive oil. Like, they just... The whole Italian part of this is under-researched. It is. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for you. Um, it's okay. It's okay. We get the most Italian part of the movie, though, because David uh, basically says that he has a connection in Italy, and he's found a phone number for Christina's dad, Giorgio. Um, and he's telling, he tells Becky and Scott, and then he tells Ruth, gives her the number, and, and she actually... Uh, doesn't hesitate. She just goes ahead and calls up Giorgio. And there he is, this fine-looking older Italian man in his nice clothes, cooking, enjoying a nice glass of wine. Exactly what I would want my Italian father to be doing on a random evening. Giorgio is looking sharp. Mm-hmm. Very put together. Nice kitchen. Like you said, he's cooking. He's having a nice evening. Unclear if he has a family, if he's married, if he has other kids. That is never addressed but um we do know that he gets the news he's very pleasant on the phone when ruth calls what a lovely surprise to hear from you and ruth gives him the news um and we don't actually really know how giorgio reacts at this time we just know that ruth told him the news right he he does kind of react. He says, "I'm hard and I'm older and wiser and hard to surprise. Just tell me, just tell me." And we have a daughter, Kikosa. Um, yes, he he kind of reacts seemingly positively. Um, this is a he knows who Ruth is immediately as soon as she says her name, which I guess they were married, so that checks out. Um, it's probably the only woman named Ruth he's ever that, met. In that's Italy. definitely fair. <laughs> I am convinced in his two scenes that he's the best actor in the movie. that's a bold statement but he's pretty good i didn't you know i meant to look up if he's actually italian uh, that dude is a hundred percent italian okay his i mean his accent was very authentic so i figured that he would all right so that that's a a big moment for ruth she's reconnected after all of these years tells the father of her newly found daughter that he is a father and uh, like you said, we kind of leave it without a lot of reaction there. And back at the restaurant, David and Christina are still decorating. They're still flirting. She They cut out to go shopping quickly with Janet. So we're we're getting all of these like classic movie scenes here. She's, she's picking out a brisket for Hanukkah. For those of you out there who need a brisket, first cut and lean. 
You want that nice first cut, that big chunk in the middle. Don't get a corned beef brisket. That's uh, some Irish St. Patrick's Day bullshit. You want a nice round first cut brisket. That's a really hot tip. Although I do like corned beef, but it is not. Not the same. Too, not the same. Yeah. Yes. Different cut. Um, uh, but she's stressed. She's got two big dinners coming up. She has decided she's not only going to do the seven fishes feast, but she's also going to host the most important night of Hanukkah for her newfound family. A lot on her plate. No pun intended. A lot on her plate. But uh, as we said earlier, her restaurant is closed. So frankly, she should have plenty of time to pull all this together. (laughs) If I didn't have to work and I could just be in my kitchen all day, I could be whipping up a party every other day. Yes. But, you know, she's, I think her stress is also about her, you know, her guilt and her missing her mom and blah, blah, blah. She's got a lot going on. It's been a busy, busy couple of weeks for her, for sure. It sure sure has. So now uh, we get to the last night of Hanukkah and it's at Christina's house and her whole family comes. Thankfully, uh, her brother-in-law and the two kids can't stay. They're just there for a quick appearance. But, oh, everything looks so beautiful and delicious. David had given her a menorah the night before, an Italian menorah that she's going to use here. So that was a nice gift that uh, that he gave to her. And she's she's able to use that. And um, also that night, she wants to learn the prayer because she wants to be able to say the prayer uh, Mm -hmm. while she's lighting the candles for her family. She thinks that would be a nice gesture. And it was very nice. David bought her the menorah and taught her the prayer so that she could practice and be ready to go for the last night of Hanukkah with her family. It was very sweet of him. Um, And yeah, she's got, I will say she did have the jelly donuts at her house, which Mm -hmm. I did not see at Ruth's house. So that was new, but everything else was pretty much replica. Yes. I have a hard time pronouncing the Hebrew word for the jelly donuts. I wasn't um, even going to attempt it. So I'm not going to either, but um, she's got the latkes, the briskets, the donuts. And now we get, unfortunately, uh, with all of the attempts to make this as authentic as possible, we really, really have a huge fuck up here. We do? Christina says the prayer. She does it adequately. I We always said one prayer. They seemingly go into like a second verse or a second prayer. I'm not quite familiar with what that is. That's fine. She lights the candles from the left side to the right side. And oh, no. you're supposed to write, light them right to left. And that is uh, a glaring error here. Right to left, like my, like I'm looking at the menorah and I'm going to go to my right side and light them. Exactly. Just like the Hebrew language is written right to left and, and all mm-hmm. of that, everything. So when we're looking at it, she has started on her left side and she's working her way across, which is the backwards way. That is so disappointing. It, it was. It really was. Did they do it right the first time? They around? did every other time they they lit it that I saw. It was the proper way. Um, unfortunately, mm. this was not caught. So wow, um, that's that's unfortunate. But we move on. Um, we're going to do some gift exchanges now. Is that our gifts usually only done on the last night of Hanukkah? I'm assuming if you don't have little kids, you're doing one or two gifts for your family members and not eight different gifts. Yeah, I I don't really have anyone to buy that many Hanukkah gifts for. So I will like I got Jamie like eight little things, but like they're little. Generally, the first night is a big one. 
um, especially if you're impatient and you just want to like get the gift to the person, um, mm -hmm. the first night. And then the eighth night is generally, if you do have kids, it's the biggest gift that you're going to get your kids. It's like the big bike under the Christmas tree type thing. Um, and p potentially this does make sense for this to be the, the night that they're exchanging gifts. Yeah, if you're only doing one gift, it I think sounds that, like you would do it on the last night. Yeah, unless there's some reason to get it to them a week early. Right. Um, so yes, we are doing gifts. She gets her sister and their family some just weird broke-ass red practice like penny jerseys. Yeah, they're like penny jerseys with their names on them. I guess she gets one for everyone in the family so they can Josh they're sports freaks okay they want to and and a basketball so they want to be like wearing their family jerseys yeah the floor seats were actually pretty sweet um that's well, a, that's that a was, good gift that was the real gift yeah. we got them floor floor seats to a Cavs game um at this point I'm just going to unplug my microphone because all <laughs> of the rest of the gifts are sport related so I trust that Josh has researched all of these sports references that's not my cup of tea We'll lump you back in when we get the wine, but yes, uh, the floor seats of the Cavs, ba the basketball team that plays in Cleveland, this totally checks out. Scott gets assigned Ernie Banks baseball. It's his favorite player. It was his dad's favorite player, Mr. Cub. He played for the Cubs. Uh, again, like I don't understand why they needed to bring the Cub references in and why they couldn't have just been Cleveland fans and they would have gotten him a Kenny Lofton signed ball or maybe an Albert Bell there's a name you might recognize. Do you know what I bet it was? I bet they didn't want to say Indians in the movie because that name and the logo are offensive. So they probably just picked another sports team so they wouldn't have to deal with it. That is potentially true. I does, Is that like something Hallmark would do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that, that could be it. They could have. Yeah, that checks out, I guess. It makes it weird that they would even then bring in like they could have just picked basketball or they could have picked like football right they like, could have had them just be a different the browns are not good sport, but like, like hockey yeah or exactly anything. cleveland doesn't have a hockey team but it could have been like yeah, columbus or whatever like i don't know what team you root for when you're in cleveland yes they could have picked just a completely different sport instead they decide um that the cubs was the whatever so we get ernie banks um, he gets the signed baseball. That is a, a really nice gift. If I got a signed ball from my favorite player, which I have actually, I got it for my bar mitzvah, Derek Jeter signed autographed baseball. Very, very cool. Um, I'd be excited too. So it's a good gift. And then she gets Ruth the dreidel, obviously get her a nice, crazy ancient one looks very pretty. And she gets David, his favorite bottle of wine, a Chateau Jean-Marc, which, don't know if you put this together, that's the name of the director of the movie. Only <laughs> no, I did not put that together. That's funny. Um, yeah, and so he the the wine, it can age as he does. <laughs> <laughs> Another 20 years, yeah, okay. But basically, yeah, he's like, oh, she's like, yeah, you can enjoy this uh, in another 20 years. And he was like, maybe we can drink it together. And Ooh. she's like, oh, David, not in front of everyone. <laughs> but everyone, you know, she's like, you know, giggling a little. She She's not really the giggly type, but um, yeah, that's really funny about the director. I didn't trust that. At any rate, it was a cute little um, gift exchange, but now 
uh, Ruth has gifted Christina the big reveal, yes. right? They give her some photos. They give her the photos from the snowman photo shoot earlier in the movie. They're frames. They're very nice. But here's the big thing. Ruth gives Christina a photo of Giorgio. And, uh, you know, she's kind of telling him about telling her about him. And then comes the doozy. Christina's like just happy that she's seen a picture of yeah. him. So she thinks that's the gift. And then the the big heartbreaker comes in and Ruth's like, and here's his phone number. So whenever you're ready, you can call him. I will be honest. I was sweating a little bit. I thought they were going to do some BS where they like called him for her. And they were like, we have your dad on the phone or like he was going to show up. And I was just like, man, that is not cool to like put someone on the spot like that without her permission. Like you don't even know if she wants to meet him really. Like she might not be ready. So thank God they did the right thing and just gave her the phone number. He knows that you exist. He's waiting for your call whenever you're ready. So they, they did it the right way. And it actually was, this is probably like the, the best and most emotional scene in the movie for me. Like this actually made me feel something for the first time all movie. Yeah. It was sweet. It was a sweet scene. Yes. Mary Lou, uh, is it Henner? Yes. Mary Lou Henner does a good job. She does. Um, and and then Christina is very moved and she invites the family to the Feast of the Fishes Christmas Eve dinner, which they then, of course, accept. So, yeah. So now we're we come to an interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Christina's feeling really guilty. She's like, I just invited my new mom to my old mom's party. And she's kind of freaking out and she's feeling overwhelmed. And obviously this stress has gone straight to her eyebrows because suddenly one of her eyebrows is halfway up her forehead. And I don't know what is going on, but it was definitely not like this earlier. Yeah, this and for the next scene too, whatever happened here, whether it was filmed first or last or somewhere in the middle, and she, you mentioned maybe bad Botox, maybe I, I, this, it's inexplicable what is happening and that it's not addressed and that they like left these scenes in again, like 15 day shoot. You can only do what you can do, but it is very distracting. Her eyebrow, she looks like Stan Sitwell from Arrested Development when he (laughs) comes out of his convertible and his like taped on eyebrows are just all over the place. Like her one eyebrow is just like up like an inch above where it's supposed to be. It's crazy. My prediction is bad Botox. And maybe they filmed these scenes first and it hadn't worn off yet. And then thankfully it, you know, because Botox, I guess what I've heard is that it takes a few days to sort of like settle mm-hmm. um, and like the per- for the paralysis to kind of go away a little bit. So that's my guess. It's really the only explanation I could think of. Yeah. I, I don't know either. Um, and I hope it's not something like she's got alopecia and it's like all fake hair that they've like put on her face, like, like an actual Stan Sitwell situation. And it just like is a little, cr- I don't know. If it is, then they've done a really good job, but then someone dropped the ball on <laughs> the stenciling this time around. Yeah. But oh. that's, oh, man. Anyway. She invites everyone over. She's sitting there with her friend, Janet. She's trying to figure out whether this is okay, whether she's actually forgetting her mom and her history. She's overwhelmed. 
And then there's David. I care for him. I'm overwhelmed. I like him, but I don't know what's going to happen. And, and her friend is basically being the calming presence here. Like, listen, girl, just like take it easy. Take it slow. See how it progresses. You can invite your family to dinner without forgetting your previous mom and all of her traditions. Like, this is all going to be okay. Yeah. So she's at the restaurant. She's kind of still in this like high frequency, freaking out vibe again, which is pretty par for the course for her character in this movie. And David shows up and he's like in a great mood and he's asks her out on a date. And she's like, I'm so busy with dinner. I, I don't think I can go. And, you know, she says, I don't think it's a good idea. And he's like, you mean like because you're busy or because you don't think it's a good idea to go on a date with me. And she brings up the very valid point that she doesn't really want to get involved with someone who is leaving town in a week and really has no plans to return, doesn't know where he's going to be living after his trip, doesn't know how long his trip is going to be. So she's really not game for like getting involved with someone and getting her feelings hurt when he dips out of town in a week. Yeah, there's not a lot of conflict in this movie. It is very just kind of like rooted in seemingly like teaching about Jewish and maybe some Italian traditions around Christmas time. The This is like the ultimate conflict before the resolution here where like she doesn't know what's going to happen with her love life and with her family. Like it's all coming to a head kind of. Um, meanwhile, her eyebrow is still going fucking crazy and it's very distracting. It's bad. And there's a lot of close-ups of her and, and the eyebrow is, is there. Um, but so David goes home to Ruth's house. He kind of is ruminating on this. Ruth gives him some tough love and she's just like, you know, you are using all this travel and running around as an excuse to not get real with yourself and not commit to anything um christine is very guarded too you guys are great for each other so like if you think this is the real thing then you shouldn't let this go so david takes that to heart and he's not taking no for an answer he shows back up at christine's house i guess this is like the night of the christmas eve dinner but he shows up and he just says look i'm going on my trip but i'll be back in six weeks and i'm moving back to cleveland as soon as the trip is over so I really want to try and make this work with us. Um, and Christina is like overjoyed at this news. Like, you know, he finally committed to how long he's going to be gone and that he is going to be coming back to Cleveland to settle down um, when he's back. So now she's ready to go all in on David and they kiss for the first time in the whole movie. They sure do. Uh, despite her wonky eyebrows, they make it happen. <laughs> um, so real now we've got that resolved. They are happy and we just need to kind of resolve Christina's dueling family scene here. So she's out by the angel. She's panicking a little bit and out comes Ruth and, she, and she's finally ready to call her father. And so with the support of her mom nearby, she calls, he's sitting by the phone, he answers, he says some really nice things, says that you need to come to Italy, Merry Christmas, see ya, and uh, very, very short and sweet convo here. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> come to Italy. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. I mean, Ruth comes in the scene and she's like, okay, Christina, I got your call. What do you need? You need help in the kitchen? You busy? Like I'm ready to help. And Christina's like, I just need some moral support so I can call my dad. And if I were Ruth, I'd be like, you made me drive all the way down here for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have just come to my house <laughs> if all you needed me was like to sit here while you called. So she needed but, to be by the angel. Jacqueline. Again, all the people in this movie are better people than I am yeah. because Ruth is like, I'll be right here and walks and goes and sits by the angel and is very patient while Christina makes the call. But yeah, Giorgio, you know, he says all the right things. Oh, you're such a beautiful surprise to me. What a blessing this is. I want to meet you. Please come to Italy and visit me. Um, and that's it. You know, I, I don't know if they stay on the phone any longer because the scene is over, but she doesn't ask him any questions or doesn't seem like they really chat. He's just like, Merry Christmas. Bye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so finally, we're in the kitchen and the restaurant is back open. The full team is back in the kitchen cooking up this feast of the seven fishes. Uh, what's her name? Wendy. What's her name? Judy. Janet. Janet? Janet's in there and she's it's basically it's it is Janet. The she's in there and she's basically giving the 30 second recap of the entire movie so that we have something to say on the trailer, which is, yeah, Christina just took a DNA test and it turns out she's 100 percent that bitch. <laughs> just kidding. She's Jewish uh, and she's now going to try to make some Jewish stuff, too. Um, the family shows up. She tells David she spoke to his to her father. He says, we can go together. We'll go to the Mediterranean. She said, that would be lovely. And David uh, loves inviting himself on personal yeah. <laughs> missions. Maybe she just wants to go without you, bro. Seriously, like stop being a budinsky. Um, finally, we see everyone settle, settle, sitting around the, the nice large table, some best of customers and the family and everyone's there. Uh, her, her favorite customers remind her she needs to give a speech. So she goes up. She, she should nice... remind them how to pronounce Strufoli properly. <laughs> she gives a nice short and lovely speech. David feels the need to interject into the speech twice uh, because, you know, it's it's his day too now. That was driving me crazy. She's giving a speech at her dinner in her restaurant, a quick little <laughs> toast, and he has the gall to stand up. You, you guys aren't barely a couple you've kissed once you haven't even like known each other for more than a week and you stand up next to her and try to make this your toast as well like uh, thankfully christina was not annoyed at this but i was yeah she they then up the kissing uh quota here as they make out twice in front of the family and friends uh during everyone's dinner but that's how we end we've got the love story resolved Happily ever after. Christina's got her wish, some new family and some people to love that live 10 miles away. And all is well in Cleveland at Christmas. Oh, and the and the angel is watching over them as they suck face at the Christmas Eve dinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Honestly, we've, David we've hijacking it. the speech kind of ended it on a sour note for me, just as the Strafoli incident kind yeah. of started it on a sour note for me. But all in all, I will say the first time I watched it was not into it. The second time it grew on me quite a bit more. I think that's kind of how these Hallmark movies works. Once you get through the like visceral reaction of the absurdity and stuff 
and you can kind of just like relax and enjoy it. They, they are charming. That's super interesting that that is the way that kind of works. Cause I, I felt the same thing too. I felt the second time through, it was a lot more easy to digest when like I put aside, like trying to nitpick all of the like things that are wrong and just kind of go with the flow. Unfortunately, I feel like that's a terrible model for them. If they're putting out 40 movies a year, you're never going to watch the same one twice. Yeah, I don't really like watching the new ones, to be honest. Like, there's too many of them, and they're all very samey. And there's some of the actresses and actors I don't really go for. But um, once I find one I like, I will watch it every year. So, Love Lights Hanukkah, the Hallmark movie. Thank you for sticking with us through the entire podcast. Hopefully you've watched it and a lot of this made sense to you. If not, um, I think you still enjoy listening, but thank you. Um, We will be back with new episodes of the Feeny podcast in January. We'll pick up with Corey and the gang and we'll go back in time when Ben Savage wasn't so um, like kind of just plain toast. (laughs) uh yes merry christmas happy hanukkah happy new year if you remember haven't caught the movie yet check it out on hallmark channel and don't forget to get caught up on boy meets world episodes so that you are ready to jump back in with us um for feeny next month 2021 here we come and don't forget to follow us on instagram at feeny podcast yeah, great time to catch up on old episodes you've missed to write in and and uh, bring in some comments. Watch ahead in season two if you've got some time and let us know if there's something uh, you've got questions about or you want us to cover during those episodes. Lots of opportunities to get involved and uh, we really look forward to starting a new year with you all. So thank you so much. Have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Jacqueline. Uh, best wishes over the holidays with all of the cooking and all of the fun. And uh, we'll talk to you in the new year. Yeah. Same to you. And as they say in the movie, Merry Hanukkah and happy Christmas.